Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom, or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the Smoke on the Water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Throughout its history, rock and roll has been plagued by addiction. Today, we try to help. The Rock Doctors are back in session, conducting our first intervention. We'll help a listener break his musical addiction before it's too late. I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. Stay tuned for that and the latest music reviews today on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And now it's time for some music news. That is Grayson Chance, the latest YouTube phenomenon, a 12-year-old piano prodigy who has just been signed to Interscope, Lady Gaga's record label, in part because he's so talented at imitating Lady Gaga songs. Jim, I know that you have been a follower of Grayson Chance because you must be among one of two billion people a day who view YouTube. I can't get enough of that spaghetti cat. Well, there are all these little phenomenons that YouTube has turned into worldwide phenomenons. You know, the ch- from the Chocolate Rain video to Justin Bieber to that Justin Timberlake video from Saturday Night Live to Susan Boyle, OK Go, all these YouTube phenomenons. This is a five-year-old entity that is now bigger than all three television networks combined. In other words, more viewership per day than all three major television networks. Two billion viewers a day. It would take you 1,700 years, Jim, to watch all the videos on YouTube. Do you realize that? I think you'd be a dribbling (laughs) idiot long before that. There are 24 hours of video uploaded every minute. Considering that it started out as kind of almost this home video type of outlet, cheap comedy routines, 
my cat doing funny tricks. Now it has become an actual pop star manufacturer. It has brought in a projected $700 million in ad revenue this year, and it'll soon be making a profit because it has to pay out to license holders and for that massive server space. But a lot of people, including Mark Cuban, somewhat of a visionary when it comes to the Internet, is saying that YouTube could become the world's dominant video delivery system if it isn't already. Like a bird on the wire Like a drunk in a midnight choir I have tried in my way to be free Greg, YouTube might be doing fine, but LimeWire is not. We had another landmark court ruling last week in the LimeWire copyright case. I would say after the Grokster lawsuit ruling a couple of years ago and Napster being the granddaddy of them all, this is the third most important court ruling about downloading music. LimeWire was dedicated to bringing people together to swap files. Of course, this can be done legally, and this can be done illegally. In New York District Court, Judge Kimba Wood issued a 59-page decision ruling on summary judgment that the peer-to-peer LimeWire file-sharing network is guilty of inducing copyright infringement, bringing people together to trade files illegally. This is a big deal because it's a huge victory for the content industry, as uh, media has started calling it, the record companies, in their ongoing battle over web piracy. It'll have ramifications for Hollywood as well. The judge dismissed LimeWire's contention that these statistics that the record industry had presented were not reliable. The statistics being put forth were that 93% of the file trading uh, happening on LimeWire involved copyright infringements. 93% were people uh, trading files that they didn't own the copyrights to. Well, a couple of things about this, Jim. I think this ruling takes to task the very nature of what the Internet does. The Internet is about trading files. They used a very small sample to say, well, most of these LimeWire software users were trading music files, but they, they used it for other purposes, and that is what, in fact, the Internet is there for, to trade files, not just necessarily music files. Secondly, LimeWire is loaded. They have the resources to fight this, and they have already said they are not done yet, so we have not heard the last of LimeWire. I hear you, brave young jables, you are hungry for the rock, but to learn the ancient methods, secret doors you must unlock. Escape your father's clutches in this oppressive neighborhood. On a journey you must go to find the land of the In the city of fallen angels, where the ocean meets the sand, you will form a strong alliance and the world's most awesome band. To find your fame and fortune through the valley you must walk, you will face your inner demons. Now go, my son, and ride. That's Ronnie James Dio bellowing in the movie The Pick of Destiny by Tenacious D. Some people may know him only from that. The reason we're bringing it up, Ronnie James Dio, the one of the great metal singers of all time, dead of stomach cancer at the age of 67. 
I think outside the metal community, perhaps, uh, Ronnie James Dio didn't have a lot of cachet, but within the metal community, Jim, he was revered. He was in a number of great bands. Uh, started out with the band Elf in the late 60s, where he caught the ear of Richie Blackmore of Deep Purple and said, I want to form a band with this guy. And in yeah. fact, he did, Rainbow. That got Ronnie James Dio on the map as, as this little guy with a huge voice. He had one of those classic heavy metal voices. Along Operatic. With like, yes. Along with side people like uh, Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson, he epitomized what that heavy metal sound was, that air siren shriek that he could get up to. After Rainbow broke up, he replaced Ozzy Osbourne in uh, Black Sabbath. And there's some division within the Black Sabbath camp, like which was the better band, the original Sabbath with Ozzy in it. But Ronnie James Dio in Black Sabbath certainly reestablished that band in the 80s and made a couple of really good records with that. Very credible. In fact, that's uh, the first time I saw Black Sabbath. I I wasn't young enough to see them with Ozzy the first time around. I was a kid at Madison Square Garden on the Black and Blue tour. Blue Oyster Cult and Black Sabbath. They were playing Heaven and Hell. What a great album. You know, Sabbath had had kind of fallen on hard times. Ozzy was self-destructing. They'd lost the plot. They were the heavy metal band. They invented it. Then they got reinvigorated when Dio came on board. Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, two really great albums. You know, Dio in particular had this way of making black seem very, very black and light seem wonderful. Heaven, Hell, Good, bad, evil. It was all there. He was the Dante Alighieri of heavy metal, (laughs) and he sang like an Italian opera star. (laughs) I think to pay tribute to Ronnie James Dio, we have to play the title track from Black Sabbath's Heaven and Hell. Here it is on Sound Opinions.
That is Black Sabbath with Heaven and Hell with the great Ronnie James Dio on lead vocals, dead at the age of 67. Oh, help me, please, doctor, I'm damaged. There's a pain where there once was a heart. It's sleeping, it's abating. Can't you please tear it out and preserve it right there in that jar? You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for a feature we like to do a couple times a year that we call The Rock Doctors. Greg and I put on our white lab coats, pick up our stethoscopes, and try to help out a listener who is in need of musical medical assistance. They come to us with a problem, Greg. We try to fix them up. This time we're conducting an intervention. That's right, Jim. We received a letter from Katie, a listener in Atlanta, actually nominating someone else for help with The Rock Doctors. She was asking us to step in and help her fiancé with his musical addiction. She sounded pretty urgent, so uh, let's get right to it. We've got Katie on the phone right now. Katie, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a big fan. We're here to help. Great. So you've got a future husband that has a medical musical condition. Yes. So, Katie, tell us what the problem is. Sure. My fiancé, Daniel, has a perpetual addiction to fish and jam band music as a whole. Oh, boy. Now, when you say addiction, what exactly do you mean? Uh, what I mean is that during any time that we are riding the car together, during some free time at home, he is filling that time by listening to fish music, whether it's on the radio, on his iPod, or catching up on YouTube videos of fish shows. Now, what uh, can we do to help him? I would say, you know, if you can do something to help him maybe grow this, a similar kind of obsession with a different kind of music or... And anything but fish is, is what Anything I'm... but fish. All right, let's, let's back up here a second, Katie. You filled out the uh, doctor's help request form mm-hmm. for your fiancé, mm-hmm. Daniel. I'm just a little concerned, especially in the case of addiction. You know, the first step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> the first step is not you admitting he has a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> what is he going to say when we check in with him? Well, he likes to live with it, and um, I think that, that he's open to trying something else, but he needs a little push. He doesn't have the self-motivation to, you know, go and face his addiction on his own. He understands that it's there and that it's posing a slight problem, but is um, leaning to me to kind of be the instigator and pushing him along in a different direction. That's nice. He's taking his cue from you. Obviously, you guys are devoted to each other. You're getting married when? Uh, in October. Okay. All so right. you're, you've got a few months to straighten him out a little bit, huh? Just a few months, yeah. And has any of this addiction affected the wedding planning? Not really the wedding planning, but there is a, the weekend of July 4th, they are coming to Atlanta, and they're playing two nights. And the same weekend, we were also considering going to join my family, which we normally do, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is where they go the same time of year. But the op- it wasn't even an option because they're coming to Atlanta to play for two nights. So it's interfered with a little bit of the summer plans, but not so much the wedding wow. planning quite yet. Okay, but, but there are like blackout dates on the calendar. So if you had oh, yeah. said we're going to have a, uh, <laughs> a party that night or, or the wedding that night, right. no, 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 Fish is playing. Right, right. It's it would not be an option. Now he hasn't said we got to have fish music as part of the wedding. We got to dance to fish as our oh. first dance. None of that, no. Oh well, at the rehearsal dinner, yes, because they're using an iPod for the music. He's already said he wants to play fish, and I'm cringing. Oh wow, <laughs> this is a serious, oh, serious problem we have yeah. here. <laughs> well, we're certainly going to try to help. Now, what are the signs of this addiction? How do you know that this guy is addicted to fish? 
first of all, one thing that happens a couple times a week, we'll be home after work, we've had dinner, we've spent a little time together, and Daniel likes to relax, you know, in the bedroom with his computer, often on YouTube, looking at YouTube videos of various fish shows that have gone on recently or ones that he has been to that he wants to relive again. And um, so he spends, like, you know, a couple hours doing that a couple nights a week. Wow. He thinks that this is really the best music. We've, you know, occasionally listened to other bands, but when it comes to fish, that is the ultimate pinnacle of great music. And when they come to town or if he's planning to go to a show, you don't go to just one night of fish. You go to both nights or as many nights as they're playing. We went to see them at the Gorge out in Washington last summer. And, you know, it's a long trip. I really thought we'd just go one night and spend some time in the area. Oh, no, no. We have to go both nights. Yeah. Now, has he told you what it is about Fish's music that has caused this addiction? Um, He's been listening to them since high school. When you grow up in the the South, because you're not into country music, a lot of the kind of group music that attracts the masses is a lot of jam band music. Mm. And so, you know, there's a little bit of that nostalgic kind of sentimental attraction to it. A lot of it's the culture around it, which you can imagine, mm-hmm. and it's the musical riffs. All right, all right. So the goal is not necessarily to remake the guy, but it's just like you're thinking that this is like that smelly pair of sweatpants, <laughs> right, yes. that have the holes in them, and, and it's like, look, we're going to move in this new place. We're starting a married couple now. You know, <laughs> It's time to get rid of those, man. You've had them since you were 14. Yes, precisely, precisely. All right, I'm getting this. All right, we're going to see what he says, and then we're going to try to give him a prescription. I, I do think it was nice of you to come forward and ask for our help. Oh, well, you know, I, I thought this was sort of a last straw because <laughs> I, can, I can, you know, I have to stop nagging at one point. I don't really want to push him away too far. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to give Daniel a call and see what we can do. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for having us on here. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. But when we return, it's time to talk to Daniel and start the Rock Doctors intervention. Later on, Greg and I will review the new albums by The National and Janelle Monet.
to keep. For when my eyes were watching hers, they closed, and I was still asleep. For when my hand was holding hers, she whispered words that I awoke. And faintly bouncing round the room, the echo of whomever spoke, I awoke. And faintly bouncing round the room. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and uh, we are the Rock Doctors. In fact, this is our first intervention. Yes, Dr. Cott, we just spoke to Katie about her fiancé's addiction to fish. We have to speak to Daniel, however, himself. Let's get him on the phone. Hello? Hey, uh, Daniel, it is Jim and Greg from Sound Opinions. How are you? I'm doing great. You guys? Uh, we're doing okay, Daniel. I don't know if we're coming at you as a total surprise or not. Do you, do you have any idea why uh, the two of us in our Rock Doctors guys are calling you? I do. I have a little bit of an idea. Okay. Who do you think sent the Rock Doctors to your house for this <laughs> house call? That would probably be the my sweet angel princess. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Katie, right? Your soon-to-be soon wife. She did come to us and ask essentially for a medical intervention. Do you think you have a musical problem? Not at all. I think <laughs> I have the opposite of a musical problem. Okay. Let's be right up front here, Daniel. Katie is accusing you of having an addiction to the band Fish. And one of the ways that doctors need to deal with addiction is, first of all, the patient needs to sort of confront the idea that, well, yeah, I guess I am addicted. You don't believe you do. Well, I mean... I just wouldn't phrase it as a problem. I mean, I guess that's that's the truth. If, if a drug addict said, well, I really like <laughs> drugs, and that's a problem. I, so uh, in, in the sense that Katie is probably speaking of, and, and you guys, um, obviously, then, yeah, maybe I do have a problem. <laughs> well, she did mention you like watching fish videos on, on YouTube. That's going to sound really, yeah, that that's a little dorky, I agree. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Greg and I reject this concept, really, of loving any music as being a problem. If Katie, you know, is asking for help to expand the palette a little bit, maybe she wants to find something that both of you can really enjoy together. So you're, are you willing to try to work on this a little bit? Yeah, of course. That's noble of you. Tell me how this feels. Katie sort of called you out here. You guys are about to get married. But she has taken a step here that's kind of extreme. She's called a couple of doctors to deal with what she views as, as a problem. I mean, how does that make you feel? It doesn't bother me. I think one thing I love about Katie is she has a very wide music sense. She obviously, I think, is, is the type of person who just likes such a variety that she probably looks you know, down upon me for liking one, one band a lot. And that doesn't bother you? Um, no, it doesn't bother me, <laughs> because um, I also think a little bit of her kind of admires the bad word, but I think she kind of can respect what I get out of out of Fish um, mm -hmm. to an extent. So, but basically, you love her, you want to work with her a little bit on this, right? Right. Well, we need a little bit more information before we can make a prescription. Tell us what you love about Fish. Well, let me start by saying, for me, what they offer is the ultimate concert experience. Now... A lot of people have stereotypes about them, but I would just say to anybody who, you know, may not like them, if there's an opportunity to go see them, I think that's a total different experience. I think that they just put on 
an incredible show, the lights, and there's that sense of the community, which is good to a point and bad to a point. You have a lot of, uh, I guess, Wookiees or dirty hippies running around, and but once you kind of just accept the fact that that's going on and just try to focus on the energy of the crowd and the music, I just think that it's an unparalleled music experience. If I had played a you know twenty minute song for somebody in my car, they really wouldn't be able to get into it. And sort of in a similar vein, I don't really get into it. I have some friends who are a lot more obsessed than I am who'll go back and listen to you know every show. I don't I don't do that. Um, that's I guess where a lot of the, the YouTubing comes in because I can kind of see them. What about the music itself? I just I like that it's funky. I like that it's a little improvisational. I don't particularly like the 30-minute space jams either. I mean, that mm. doesn't appeal to me. That appeals to a lot of other fans. You know, I like that they cover a lot of songs. I like that they mix up a lot of songs. I think the four of them are all extremely talented musicians. And once you kind of break down some of the silly lyrics and a lot of the stereotypes and actually listen to them... I think you do see that the four of them are very talented, and the fact that they've been playing so long together, they just all kind of sound fluid. So, Daniel, musical experimentation is important to you. So is musicianship. Dr. Cott, I think I'm ready with my prescription. I wanted to find something, Daniel, that has elements of what you love about Fish, but will take you somewhere new. This band, Minus the Bear, it's an indie rock group from Seattle that I think is on the cusp of really breaking big. Their new album, the fourth of their career, just came out, and it's called Omni. Now, if you like this and you get into it, you and Katie can listen to it together. You'll be right on the cutting edge. You know, you, all your friends will be saying, oh, I first heard it when, when Daniel and Katie turned me on to it. Yeah. Right? There's a, a jammy element to this band in parts, heavier on the ambient sonic experimentation than the instrumental virtuosity. But these guys really can play. And this album is produced by uh, Joe Ciccarelli who has worked with the White Stripes and My Morning Jacket, this is the one that I think brings this band in, into the consciousness. That sounds great. I, I do love My Morning Jacket. That's, that's ah, one of my favorite uh, bands right now. I just go. saw them at Jazz Fest. All right. All right. Well, Omni is the album. I think you'll you'll dig listening to it. Take it home. Try it out. Uh, maybe even try it out with Katie and then report back to us. Great. Daniel, I'm going to give you a prescription as well. I'm going to recommend uh, Dan Deacon's last album, Bromst, and a couple of things led me in that direction. You were talking about, with Fish, the ultimate concert experience, the sense of community that you get from going to their shows. You loved the sense of musicianship that you saw. 
I think this guy's got the whole package that you're looking for. First of all, he's a classically trained composer, plays a number of instruments. In fact, he made Brahms largely by himself, but when he went on tour, he basically hired like 14 musicians to flush it out for him. So when you go see the man live, you're going to get this full-on, almost orchestral experience. At the same time, if you go on YouTube, and I know you like to go on YouTube, <laughs> you're going to see some Dan Deacon live performances that are going to blow your mind. I mean, you talk about a live experience. When he was doing his solo shows, basically just performing with a set of keyboards, he would basically set up in the middle of the audience, and the audience would be completely around him, and it would be this kind of almost Bacchanalian atmosphere during these shows. It was, it was uh, like nothing I'd ever seen. In fact, a few years ago, this guy nearly single-handedly shut down the Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago because the fans were so raucous, they were starting to break down this fence that was falling onto a major road in Chicago, and the police had to come out and pull the plug on the guy. So I think you're going to like him if you go see him live. But more importantly, I think you're going to like this record because I think a lot of the elements in Bromps are shared by Fish. Okay. Uh, it's great dance music. There's heavy-duty musicianship going on. And you don't have to get into those 30-minute space jams. The guy's got a great sense of, of songwriting craft. So give it a shot and see what you think of it. Great. All right. Well, take your medicine, Daniel. We'll check back with you next week. Okay. Sounds good. listening to our Sound Opinions Rock Doctors Intervention. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we've been talking with this week's patient, Daniel from Atlanta. Dr. Cott, let's see how the prescriptions went down. We've got Daniel on the line. Hey, Daniel. Hey. It's Jim and Greg from Sound hey, Opinions. Hey, how y'all doing? So, Daniel, it's a week later, and uh, presumably, because you're a serious guy, I'm sure you've been taking your medicine. Can you uh, <laughs> fill us in now, one by one, we'll ask you how the prescriptions worked, Okay. Okay. I uh, suggested that you listen to Omni, the fourth album by Minus the Bear, these indie rockers from Seattle, Washington. Tell me what you thought. I really, really liked them. Yay! Um, so what was it about the album that you liked? I liked the lead singer's voice. Jake Snyder. I love the, the keyboard. You know, a lot of the effects from a lot of their sound were very keyboard heavy. You know, all the songs were really tight.
did you see a fish link, or or did you just like this regardless? Yeah, actually, to be honest with you, like I said, I loved my morning jacket. I saw him wore my morning jacket link, but I, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to link anything with fish. Obviously, the words made sense, so that <laughs> that's <laughs> not, not like fish. fish link. But no, um, but it was in the vein of music that I enjoyed. All right, Dan. Well, so that's one for Dr. DeRogatis. Now I'm going to ask you about uh, my prescription, which was Dan Deacon's Brahms album. What did you think of that? Yeah, I didn't really dig that one. That was a little too out there for me. I like some of the very techno-electric sound. I could see more of a connection in terms of why you would think I would like that because of the whole fish thing. So it's ironic because I can see more of a connection to fish from him than I could with Minus the Bear, but at the same time, I didn't enjoy him like I did Minus the Bear. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think what made me think of that album, first of all, was Deacon's live show, which I think has some comparable virtues to what Fish does live. Um, they, yeah, but we know, didn't very send orchestrated. Him, right. We didn't send him concert tickets. But, <laughs> you know, at the same time, I thought there was going to be some connection there because of this guy, the way this guy orchestrates his arrangements. You appreciated the virtuosity in Fish. I think Deacon, obviously, a classical composer. And uh, th- there's some density to the tracks, which, are, you know, gives you a lot to listen to as opposed to just simplistic pop songs. If it didn't work, it didn't work, you know? Sorry. Well, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I definitely think I would have gotten a different experience seeing him live. And I could tell that from the after the first song. Daniel, what about Katie? Was she happy to hear that you uh, followed through with your treatment? Yes, she was. She's happy that I'm taking it seriously. All right, all right. Nothing, nothing better than a future husband who follows his future wife's advice about what kind of music he should. Well, she, at least they're still engaged a week later. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just never know. 
Well, congratulations. I loved Minus the Bear, but we're not getting married anymore. Yes. Well, I actually told her that I'm going to start following around Minus the Bear everywhere. Uh-oh. I'm quitting my job. So now you're going to be on two road trips this summer, Fish and Minus the Bear, and there there goes the wedding plans, right? I don't think That's they have a parking right. lot scene at Minus the Bear. <laughs> Well, give Katie our best, and uh, thank you for taking your prescription, Daniel, and uh, I'm glad at least one of them worked for you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. This was fun. If you want to make an appointment with the Rock Doctors or nominate someone you think is in need of urgent assistance, fill out a patient form at soundopinions.org. To make a comment on the show, call our hotline at 888-859-1800. Greg and I will be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media with reviews of the new albums by indie rockers The National and alternative R&B singer Janelle Monet. Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. That is the band The National with a song called Terrible Love from album number five, High Violet. An interesting band, Greg, formed in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1999, but based in Brooklyn for quite some time, led by that very distinctive-voiced baritone singer, Matt Berninger, and two pairs of brothers on guitars and, and piano and the rhythm section. They've been an indie buzz for quite some time, bubbling under. I think a lot of people may have first heard of them with their last album, 2007, Boxer, but they also were a big presence on the Obama campaign, where they supported the president, and one of their songs, Fake Empire, was used as a campaign theme at many Obama events. Rootsy band, following in the the Wilco alternative country tradition, but also with this artier edge, like all bands living in Brooklyn, you have to be obsessed with Joy Division. 
What are they giving us on this new album, High Violet? Let's play a track, Blood Buzz, Ohio, from High Violet, the new album by The National, on Sound Opinions. Stand up straight at the foot of your love I lift my shirt up Stand up straight at the foot of your love I lift my shirt up I was carried to Ohio in a swarm of I never married, but Ohio don't remember me. Lay my head on the hood of your car, I take it too far. Lay my head on the hood of your I still owe money to the money, to the money I owe. I never thought about love when I thought about home. I still owe money to the money, to the money I owe. The flows are falling out from everybody I know. I'm on a blood, blood, yes I That is The National with a song called Blood Buzz Ohio from their new album High Violet on Sound Opinions. Fifth studio record, third in a row with producer Peter Caddis. As you said, Jim, they have uh, come to a sort of uh, critical mass of recognition in the underground. I've been a huge champion of this band. I've, I've loved them almost from the start. I reviewed their second record for Rolling Stone and championed them then. Matt Berninger is a distinctive vocalist, and yes, I am a sucker for that Joy Division slash Leonard Cohen baritone, that brooding sense of despair. And, and, and Tindersticks, which yeah. is another band you yes, loved. Yes, good call. When it comes to characters coming undone, Berninger is the modern master of that. You know, <laughs> If you're having trouble in a relationship, he will detail it in a way that is pretty moving and pretty powerful. Only my half of I don't want to get over you 
I also love the drummer in this band, Brian Devendorf. I think is a real master of texture and and sort of framing those vocals in really beautiful settings. This band is master of texture and mood. But the songwriting on this band is sort of planed out a little bit. I feel like I know what this album was going to sound like even before I put it on. Lo and behold, I was right. You know, just a refinement of a very cool sound. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that Caddis is uh, the producer yet again. Maybe they need to move in a new direction in terms of production. Maybe they need to focus a little bit more on some up-tempo stuff. But for whatever reason, I I feel on this fifth record that we've kind of heard what the National does best, and it's time for them to move on. So I'm going to give it a burn it. I'm surprised to hear you say that, Mr. Cod. I have not been a fan of this band live in concert, but I do like their records. And and I don't know how you can call any album that has that deep voice delivering a lyric like, I was carried to Ohio in a swarm of bees. Yeah. Predictable. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's, it's a fine record. It's not breaking new ground. But if this is your introduction to the band after being intrigued by Obama's use of that song, or you've been a fan of the band, I think you're going to find a lot to love about this record. i got to say, on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, I'll give it a buy it. Wow. <laughs> I'm stunned. <laughs> That's a song called Tightrope from the new album by Janelle Monet, the Arc Android. Interesting background for this 24-year-old Atlanta-based artist. Born in Kansas City, moved to Manhattan with hopes of becoming a Broadway singer, but then morphed into an R&B act. She started falling in with this Atlanta R&B crowd, specifically focused around what Outkast was doing. The band Outkast that we've reviewed on the show many times, sort of a hybrid hip-hop, R&B, rock, soul, funk outfit that has been making records for nearly two decades. She had a cameo appearance in the 2006 Outkast movie Idlewild. And from that, started making a concept album that was going to be divided up into four EPs called Metropolis, one through four. After she made the first EP, she caught the attention of Sean Diddy Combs, who said, I want to sign you to my bad boy label. And that's indeed what happened. So the Metropolis concept has morphed into the Arc Android concept and a science fiction epic in which she transforms herself into a futuristic android named Cindy Mayweather who comes back to the present day to save the world. Got that? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty complex stuff, pretty complicated record, lots to talk about. Let's play a track from it first before we review it. It's called Cold War from Janelle Monae on Sound Opinions. So you think I'm alone?
That is Janelle Monet with a song called Cold War from her debut album, The Ark Android, Suites 2 and 3 of 4, the subtitle, Greg, which, if that reminds you of Yes, Genesis, or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, <laughs> it's completely relevant. This is one of the freakiest R&B or hip-hop records I've ever heard, and that's saying something. I think there is a fine tradition in soul music, funk, if you will, African-American music that stretches from Sun Ra through George Clinton to De La Soul and now Janelle Monet. The science fiction epic in black music where I'm going to go into the future, I'm going to create the ideal society that doesn't exist here on Earth, we're going to build utopia, and it's going to be colorblind. Wow, the genre barriers that she is breaking down. There is some wonderful, very Funkadelic-like or Hendrix-like searing psychedelic guitar. And then there are these pop songs. If Cold War reminded you a little bit of Outcast, that's entirely appropriate. There's also some Drek, too. She's got an inexplicable fondness for Fantasia Disney-like soundtrack stuff at times, which only bogs up the album, especially as, as the intro track and the ending track. But I guess she would consider that in this emotion picture that she's calling this album, kind of like the fanfare that brings the movie in and then plays over the credits. I haven't heard this kind of ambition from a female R&B or hip-hop artist in a long time, and I'm just in love with this record. Although it took me a while to get there. At first, I was just like, what? But buy it. Absolutely buy it. Jim, I don't think you're nearly enthusiastic enough for my taste. This is the best record I've heard this year, and uh, maybe the best record I've heard in a couple years. You're absolutely right about the ambition. I'm just blown away by what she's reaching for here. And I, unlike you, love the classical stuff that's in here, because I think it's used in a really different way. That last track on the record where she's kind of mixing sort of this Les Baxter exotica with the classical music, it's avant-garde. It's not sticky. It's not syrupy. She's definitely pushing it out in a way that makes it feel fresh. talking about an artist who's referencing English folk ballads that Pentangle or Fairport Convention might have played in the 60s. You're talking about an artist who's coming out of Outcast and Parliament Funkadelic, as you mentioned, but there's also rock. There's those Ernie Isley guitar solos. Yeah. Even though Ernie Isley is not playing them, they're clearly channeling that sound. She's all over the map here musically. I think for somebody who is expecting an R&B record, this will be absolutely bewildering. But trust me, friends, spend time <laughs> with this record. You will grow to love it. Great, great record. Uh, buy it all the way. That is a double buy it. Very enthusiastic from both Greg and me for Janelle Monet. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we have the French pop band Phoenix in the studio. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by our ace team, the heaven and hell of this endeavor, Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside Malatia, who, you know, Dio claims to have invented the devil horn sign, but it was really Tori who did it.
On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. I'm in the phone with this one across the hall. Hi guys, uh, this is Steve from uh, Longmont, Colorado. I uh, just listened to your review of New Pornographers new album together, and I gotta say, Jim, I hear what you're saying, but you're completely wrong. I agree with uh, Greg's analysis that even though they're all these disparate parts, they still manage to make a really cohesive sounding album. Everything they make an album that's from beginning to end. It's not like a bunch of different set pieces that don't seem connected at all. I don't think I'd probably love it as much as Challengers, but uh, still really great indie pop rock. And also, uh, and addressing, Greg, your concern about understanding A.C. Newman's lyrics, he actually has been quoted as saying, sometimes his songs don't have a specific meaning, it's just the sound. He likes the way certain phrases sound together. All right, I uh, love the show, guys. Thanks for the great review. Bye. I believe you have something that's mine all this time. So to see Hey, this is Brent Powell from Windsor, Colorado. I enjoyed the segment you had with Kane on and was pretty pumped up, wanted to buy the album. I listened to it, uh, that, and it wasn't live. And I got to tell you, I like the live version a lot better, maybe because there was a little bit more drums and, and the guitar and stuff. And didn't go with buying it, but I'll tell you that that, that guy sounds great live. I just love it. And if you had a live album, I'd definitely buy it. So he sounded good in the studio. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye. There are certain things fresh and certain things fresh. I got my own sound. I don't sound like the rest. And even my attire and my choice of dress. And not long ago, I don't spoke English. The point is police pull me over a lot. They wonder what type of rap sheet I got. And sometimes I take a young girl out to eat. And hold the door open. Oh, you're so sweet. Of course, my affection super Hi, this is Ken from Newburgh, New York. I listened through the podcast available through iTunes, and I just wanted to mention a buried treasure that uh, some of your listeners may be interested in, especially those who have said that they wanted to hear some more rock lately uh, uh, through the show, and that is the latest CD from Jason and the Scorchers called Halcyon Times. Uh, as you may know, they've been around since the early 80s and really doing the rock country thing better than anybody in the universe. It easy to find. I think it's only available through the band on Amazon. It's an import only, uh, so you have to pay a few more dollars, but it's well worth it, and I'm sure the band could use the money. That's my pick. Have a great day. Love the show. Bye. Hey, guys. This is uh, Tony Garfield from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm calling about your Desert Island selections. 
I get the feeling that my definition of a desert island pick is a little different from yours. Exhibit A, your uh, last selection was some obscure Aaliyah song that I bet over 95% of your audience has never heard and has no interest of ever hearing again. If I was on a desert island and put a quarter in the jukebox and that song came up, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, man, I'm on a desert island. Give me a freaking break. Who put this crap on the jukebox? Ultimately, it's you guys' selections, and I'm not begrudging you that, but would you at least consider changing the segment's name from Desert Island Picks to songs that are appropriate to the topic of discussion of this week's podcast? I still enjoy the hell out of the show, though, guys. Keep it up. Thanks. I'm no more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.